When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Spectrum Internet has enough speed to handle all your needs, so you can work, game, and stream with speeds up to a gig. Plus, Spectrum's advanced Wi-Fi provides enhanced security for all your connected devices. Get Spectrum Internet with fast and reliable speeds, starting at just $29.99 a month with a two-year price guarantee. Visit spectrum.com slash internet for you for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Restrictions apply. that if changing our bodies meant changing our lives then like liposuction would work every time it would right. be a lobotomy like mm-hmm. you know it would gastric bypass would actually be brain surgery not just changing bodies hi guys and welcome back to uni therapy podcast my name is kat and i am the host today is exciting because i have one of another one of my friends on and kayla who's the guest on the podcast today is one of my friends who I met through work, you know, just at first was a work colleague, I guess you call them. And since then, we've become friends. She's my Friday morning running buddy. And I really value her and her friendship and her wisdom. She also is a registered dietitian and a group fitness instructor at a popular place, that I think is all over the United States. And she works as a marketing and outreach coordinator for Magnolia Creek and Sela House, which are two residential programs focused on giving women help in finding recovery from eating disorders. Kayla's awesome. She gets it. And I'm so grateful for her wisdom on just nutrition and her wisdom on fitness and eating disorders and her wisdom of just being a human with feelings and emotions. I have my friend Megan on here today as well, co-hosting with me, so you're going to get some of her too, and um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this. Without any further waiting, here is my conversation with Kayla and Megan. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you. Welcome. We're so glad you're here in Catherine's new home. Oh yeah, we're not. This is the first time we're not recording in an office. We're recording in my house. That is halfway put together. <laughs> it's definitely an outward expression of Catherine. I feel like the house matches your spirit. Like with what parts? All that of it. It's just a mess. It's so original. <laughs> Wait, the original part that is like a like kind of like a diss, isn't it? No, uh, I think the decor, like the the kitchen and stuff, but also like when you're continuously like apologizing. Oh, like, oh sorry for this. Sorry for that. I'm like just. Just stop. Like, this is okay. It's you. Well, no, it is me, but I hope that... I just moved in two, like, three days ago. So I hope that in, like, a couple weeks, I won't have crap laying around everywhere. So I don't have a home for anything. I know someone who's really into organizing, if you need a number. You can come do it anytime you want. (laughs) What I don't, won't apologize for is my purple door. I love it so much. I love the purple door. Who's hating on that? Um... I don't know. Don't name yeah. names. There's people who are just like, oh, I might do like a nice light blue. But I'm not a blue girl. No, no I really not. love that. It looks yeah. the same color as my new phone case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
is it going to be here for like four weeks? Because like, what happened on Amazon? Oh like, yeah. man, what in the world? It's taking yeah. a really long time to get anything yeah. on Amazon. Um. Anyway, we don't need to talk about my house anymore. Um. We'll talk about what we're talking about today. So you already, we've already introduced Kayla, so you know kind of what she does. But we want to give you a little chance to say anything you want the people to know about you. What yeah. you do, where you work. Yeah. Why you're even here. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm from Southern Indiana, so it's a place that, you know, fitness and nutrition is, was really not a big part of my upbringing. It's really not, you know, culturally normal in Southern Indiana. It's, it's getting there. So, um, and so I really found this love of moving my body and, you know, paying attention to nutrition actually in college. Um, it was, a time where, you know, at, at that point it became unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've talked a little bit about this on, on our, in our time, you know, in our, our Friday runs mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But, um, so I, I'm a registered dietitian by trade and also, um, a certified personal trainer. I currently work for residential eating disorder treatment centers. Um, one is in Birmingham, one is in Indiana, and another one is, is in Ohio. So we treat women um, struggling with eating disorders. Um, now I live in Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I am continuing to work through the pandemic, which has been mm-hmm interesting all, all in itself. And I'm really into, you know, I, I love food. <laughs> and, um, I really like to cook and I really like to try new foods and things like that. And, um, and food freedom is something that has been established in, in my life really the most, probably in the last five years, which is pretty cool. I think you've, talked a lot about that in previous episodes Mm -hmm. and um and actually movement freedom has been a huge part of my life Mm -hmm. probably even more recently within the last couple of years Mm -hmm. and so um that's a lot of what we're here to talk about Mm -hmm. and the fitness industry and what that how that's hopefully changing and evolving and um just struggles that people who Mm -hmm. are certified in personal training and fitness and you know how relates Mm -hmm. to body image and everything. Um, yeah, I, I really like running. I really like, uh, food and trying new restaurants. I really like, you know, spending time with friends and family. Um, I'm really, um, into Schitt's Creek right now. This is unrelated, but it's just funny (laughs) as can be. Um, and I'm just really into kind of disrupting, I think the, the fitness world Mm -hmm. and how it's just become really body focused. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't know, we always talk about our first, like, when we first met. I don't know how you got, uh, we first met, we went to Calypso Cafe. Yeah. So, well, I stalked you out, um, (laughs) actually, on Instagram. One of your friends. I love when people are honest. (laughs) (laughs) One of your friends was one of the members at a popular fitness chain that I coach at. Um, And so, and then somehow I realized you were a therapist but I, like, I had seen you on her Instagram, but yeah. then, like, saw you on your therapy website. Like, and I was like, wait, people? that's the same person. That's, you know, her yeah. friend. And then that was kind of my, like, yeah. way to say, hey, can we go get yeah. lunch? <laughs> Which is funny. I don't know how long ago that, probably like a year. Was that a year ago? No, um, that was longer. Yeah. Well, it would have been around May of 22 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, well, or, ne- I don't know. Time Maybe last matter. year, whatever. It's the pandemic time doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and then now I live like almost down the street from you. Yes. And now Kayla and I formed our own running club. It's just me and Kayla. <laughs> yeah. and if you guys want Party to join, two. running club um, two. Yeah, yeah, I need more info because you know what's the kind of pacing on this run club? What's the mileage? The pace that allows us to talk the whole time. Yeah. Okay. And if at any so point fast I've... walk. <laughs> <laughs> if that's some, what you need. Some would probably yeah. call it that. It's definitely between like a 10 and 11 yeah, minute mile. It's not fast. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I could um, If at any this. point I feel like I'm dying, I dramatically say, like, can we please slow down? <laughs> and Catherine's like, yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, I, I have this notion if, I, if Catherine was running without me, it would probably be a little bit faster. Well, okay. So I feel like a lot of people... <laughs> 
think that I run fast, so go fast. Alone, though, if you want yeah. to go. If I, but when, if I'm like running like a race that I'm training for, I might pick up the pace, but to be honest, even when I run by myself, I like to enjoy it mm-hmm. and it's not enjoyable yeah. when I like, cannot breathe. She likes to listen to uni therapy podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I like to listen to myself <laughs> Same. on runs. Um, so I you like can join, we therapy. usually go at like seven o'clock on Friday. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's the only time I wake yeah. up early during the pandemic. Oh, 7 a.m. Yes. I was thinking p.m. I was oh, like, no, I'm no. there. No. 7 a.m. I don't know that I'll ever see yeah. that. 7 a.m. Okay. Well, it's but yeah. maybe because, you know, I have some pretty severe FOMO. So I probably <laughs> yeah. want to be you a part of this. You could just drive next month. <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could ride a bicycle, actually, too, if you wanted. That would be maybe easier. I have and... a lot of bodily complications that make running difficult. But um, yeah. I always believe the next new pair of shoes I got is going to heal me. <laughs> um, so I have How been able, those? I have been able to run in these a little bit, the on clouds. Oh, yeah. um, but every shoe works for like a little bit, and then and I'm then, on to yeah. the next orthotic or shoe. Mm-hmm. Well, I switched to on clouds not too long ago. Yeah, and it's been a good. Wait, it's been a good I change. Have, I think I have a brand of, I have a pair of those, and I never knew what the brand was called. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Ons. Well, okay. So I would like to get into the meat of all this because we were talking about doing, well, so Kayla and I were talking about on our, I don't know if this was on a run or just like in time because I work in the fitness industry as well as a cycling instructor. And then Kayla works in the fitness industry. What would you call it? A group fitness instructor? Yeah. Okay. Is that what they call it? (laughs) Yeah. Group. And at the same time, we both work in like the eating disorder world, food world, whatever. And we have a very different philosophy and outlook than the majority of what is out there. So we were talking about that for a while and I was like, oh, we need to put this conversation on the podcast. So I would like from your perspective as a fitness instructor and dietitian, I want you to talk about your experience of what the journey has been like for you. Mm. Yeah. So thinking about, um, you know, how far back do I want to go or would be when interesting, in <laughs> <laughs> would be interesting on the podcast. You know, I started, I started running, um, after influence from my sister, she was, had gotten into the gym and things like that. And, um, it was something that she, I think found a lot of empowerment with, and mm-hmm. she was like, Hey, like, you know, it, health isn't really a big part of our family and here's what it's done for me. And so, um, I started working at the gym in college and I was way too scared to even like go into the gym area. Cause I had mm-hmm. no idea what I was doing. Um, but you worked at the gym. I worked at the gym. Like I, the front desk. Yes. Okay. I was a card swiper. So awesome. I wanted to us. be the card swiper yeah. so bad. So I was like the bouncer for the yeah. gym and people would come, they wouldn't have their card and they would be like, please let me in. <laughs> and I would have to tell them no. And I also had to work at the, on the basketball courts and I would have to kick people out if they dunked on the basketball court. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. So to go up to a guy that can dunk, yeah. you'd have to be like, um, can't Yeah, do that. so they would be like, they would dunk, it would be really impressive, and I would be like, while I give you a 10 for that, you now have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I would also have to break up fights on the basketball court. Wow. What was it? Your well, you know what? Your women can do hard things. Yeah, so. we can. Yeah. So all that to say, um, I started working out in the cardio studio on the bottom floor in the back corner where no one ever, ever, ever went. And I would go to the very back treadmill and I would, I would walk and then try to run. So I would mm-hmm. accomplish about thirty seconds at a time. Mm-hmm. And as I built into that, you know, it it became eventually a a little bit unhealthy, not, you know, extremely unhealthy, but it it just turned into like my body started changing. Um, and it wasn't an intentional at that time, but when my body did start changing, then there was this time where I was like, Oh wow, this is kind of cool. Like, Hmm, my body's changing and I'm getting attention. And, and wow, like I can't believe that you can manipulate what you eat and how you move your body and your body changed this much. Like it was this very organic process that occurred. It wasn't this intentional, like I have to lose weight Mm -hmm. and I have to get fit. So this is what I'm doing. It just kind of happened, but it was when my body changed that then it became very much like body focused. Mm -hmm. And then I, and at that time, so this is like 2006. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, what, when did I go to college? <laughs> um, Biggest Loser was huge at that time. Oh, yeah. And so it was like, I was watching Biggest Loser and crying and like, I can help people do that too. Mm-hmm. And I changed my major from wow. business to nutrition. And like, my parents didn't go to college and they trusted us so oh. much. And they were just like, okay, yeah, cool. Great. Go Kayla. And if they had told me not to change my major, I would have been like, whatever, mm-hmm. like I'm this is what I'm doing. (laughs) So anyway, I changed it to nutrition and exercise and it was so much my identity in college. And that looked like this healthy person. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like this, this identity. My friends were starting to know me as a healthy person, my family, and then it just became a lot to uphold. Mm -hmm. Right. So I started long distance running and that still is something I, I covet. Like to be able to, but it looks different now. So like you were saying, Catherine, to be able to go out and just enjoy it mm-hmm. versus worrying about how fast am I going? Yes. Am I getting slower? Mm-hmm. You know, all, all the things that can come with long distance running. Um, and so I, I got out of school, did my, in my dietetic internship in Chicago and all the while my, my body is fluctuating in weight. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember this, I shared this with Catherine and, um, I remember this moment in college where I was on the treadmill because I'm also perfectionistic and overachiever. Mm-hmm. So I worked a lot in, in college. Um, I, you know, of course one had to get really good grades because you, you cannot become a registered dietitian if you have poor grades in college, you won't get an internship. So pretty much back then you had to keep your GPA over 3.8. Now you pretty much have to keep it at a four. Um, so all that pressure, I have to get an internship. I have to keep working. I have to change people's lives all at the same time when I'm like 21, like who, I don't even know my own life. (laughs) Um, and now I have this new body that I have to maintain And I remember studying anatomy on the treadmill, walking and crying. Mm -hmm. And my friend came up to me and was like, what's up? And I was like, I have this anatomy test. I have to work tonight. The test is tomorrow. If I don't, I haven't worked out yet. If I don't work out, then I'm going to get fat again. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't want to do that. And I don't want to feel my test. Like it was just all coming out. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that that was like, I thought I looked at it as just a stressful full moment in college, yeah. you know? Well, and I think that is such an important story to share because this whole process of this happened by accident. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And then in your head at that moment, it's like, if I don't work out right now, tomorrow, I will no longer look this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm this fit person who's supposed to help other people be fit and healthy, which like leads me into what did you think? being fit and healthy was back then. Yeah. And has that changed now? Totally. Yeah. I mean, back then it was, it was definitely looking apart. And also I had this idea that people were always watching what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like, because I was a personal trainer, I worked at a gym, I was an, I was a nutrition student. So I had to be acting the act, walking the walk, talking the talk all the time. Um, And that looked like doing everything a certain way. Like being, yeah. walking the walk meant like I'm eating kale and running 15 miles. Totally. And like, I'm not going out to the bars right. with friends because tomorrow I'm running to train for this half marathon. And even if this is so it's like coming back to me as we're talking, yeah. but even if I were out at a bar with friends, I would be like really weird about what I would drink and how I would drink. Cause I thought, all these people see me at the gym all the time. Mm-hmm. What's it going to look like if I'm over here, like throwing back frog shots or whatever those <laughs> things are called? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. people literally called me the, the like gym. What is it? They call me like the SRSC Barbie or something like that. Yeah. So and did you like you, that? I, I just, I always like, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty easy crowd. So I would be like, haha, funny, like whatever. But like, did you like get a high off of that? They look at me this way. I think that it just solidified this identity that I was creating. Which probably felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, feels good to have an identity. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm curious, like the, 
story that you're talking about when you're on the treadmill and you're crying and at the time you're naming it as stress and even as you're looking back like you're naming it as at the time like oh I'm really healthy I'm just really into that but now that you're way past 2006 and you're looking back what do you call it now disordered (laughs) um an unhealthy relationship with with exercise you know and in body image if one of my clients were telling me that exact story right now I would say it's a completely different narrative than what I was telling myself, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was so entrenched with gym people and fitness people that it was totally normal, which I want you to talk about that of being entrenched in it. Because when you're in that zone, it's like, this is what we do. I remember people being like, Oh, I wish I had your willpower. Mm -hmm. Like, because in college we would have date parties and I, when I really got into my disordered eating, I wouldn't drink at all. But if I did, and then the next morning after the date party, we'd go to bed at like 2, 3 a.m., I'd be running at 7 a.m. around yeah. campus. And people would be like, I wish I was like you. Like, mm-hmm. you're so great. And I'm like, yeah. Like, I remember back then, I'd be like, it's the best way to get over a hangover. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, it wasn't. No. Was, you probably need a McDonald's I was and so, like, yeah. some carrots. Yeah. And I was so, like, but I had, I couldn't lay in bed. Yeah. And so, but like entrenched in the fitness world, people are like, yeah, let's go do this or let's let's go run this amount of miles mm-hmm. or let's go do and so when you're in it, it's very normalized in that totally. area. Yeah. But how did you transition out of that and what woke you up? Yeah, so I think people always ask me, How did you get into working with eating disorders? And I always say, I tripped and fell into it. Yeah. I think that's one way and I and I also you know, having a strong faith, I feel like it was kind of God's way of, of saving me from what could have been this life of just continuation of Mm -hmm. never being satisfied with the way that my body looks. And no matter how much I exercised or, or, you know, little I ate or whatever. Um, but so I think it started, you know, I, I started working at a treatment center that, initially was opened as a weight loss spa. So remember, like I'm still, I'm a new dietitian, still really entrenched in fitness. And, um, and now it's a weight loss spa. (laughs) I'm like, I can't get my head around that. And now now I'm going to get to be the dietitian for the biggest loser, like the real life biggest loser. Like, wow, what a dream. (laughs) I, I am going to change people's lives. Mm -hmm. Like this is what, where, where it was, you know, when I went to grad, I think I've said this when I went to grad school, I wanted to be a therapist that worked with eating disorders. I also tried to change my major to nutrition my senior year and my, my, everybody at the school was like, you already have you're graduating in three months. <laughs> you can't do that. But, nice effort. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then I was, when I was like, oh, fine, I'll just, I'll keep being a therapist. Like I'll go to grad school for that. But I wanted to be a therapist that helped people lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. What? Right. So probably the same. You're very same. Yeah. You know, I mean, we are, we, we were in the biggest loser culture. Yeah. Like we're in that same age, age group. So, so I, I, I walk into this place. I barely have an interview. They hire me. I had like one year of experience being a dietitian. I had zero experience of like knowing boundaries and counseling and any of that stuff. And, um, I at least was able to come in, you know, the previous person who was running the nutrition program there had people on very, very, very disordered nutrition plans. So I was, I did have enough, you know, mm-hmm. wherewithal to say like, this is not okay. And I changed all that. But anyway, this program ended up turning into a treatment program for binge eating disorders. So all of the weight loss stuff got thrown away. Oh, wow. Wow. They yeah. brought in, where a, was this? It was in Brentwood. They brought in a, a therapist who had years of experience in eating disorders. And she is very instrumental in how I learned how to treat people with eating disorders and just how to have boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this woman, like she did so much for me in this very, very formative time, Mm -hmm. um, in my profession. So anyway, we ran this program for five years and I'll never forget. I, I, I 
don't even know if I've ever even said anything about this. So, hey, hey, everybody, I'm <laughs> going to tell you everything. Um, we, we go to this conference for binge eating disorder, and it's the first time that I was exposed to the idea of health at every size. Mm. And I have this huge background in you have to be thin to be healthy. We're taught that in school. We're taught that in fitness. We're taught that mm. no matter what. And now all these people are saying that's not the case. And I was like, what? You know, I was like, how are all these people subscribing to this? Like, there's no way this is true. Um, yeah, what is the, I, I'm familiar with, what do you call it? Haas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Um, but health at every size. So I think that's where you're headed, but can you tell us more about like what that actually means other than health at every size? Like what else is behind that? Yeah. So, um, health at every size is an evident is evidence-based and it suggests that people can have health no matter what their size. It is, you know, I think geared toward more of this idea of reducing fat phobia, especially in the medical field and in the nutrition field and all that. Um, and it's not to be confused with healthy at every size. So this, um, I don't, there's a popular dietitian, her name is Marcy Evans and she kind of pulled those two, that letter mm-hmm. on and off of the word. And it does kind of transform the way that, um, uh, really what it means. And so it's, it's understanding that just because someone lives in a larger body does not mean that they're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And just because someone is in a smaller body doesn't mean that they're unhealthy to a certain degree. And so uh, on both ends of the spectrum. And so it's just understanding that people can be fit. People can be strong. People can be healthy and fall into this category of obesity, right? By BMI standards, which are stupid. BMI was created like in the 1800s by a, <laughs> by a, like an astronomer or something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really, and the approach is finding physicians who, if I go in and I'm in the obese category and my toe hurts because I have an ingrown toenail, finding a physician that's not going to say, well, it looks like you need to lose weight. And I'm like, yeah. what does that have to do with my toenail? You know, <laughs> what was so helpful for me to ex- hear somebody explain it this way, when talking about weight stigma, especially when you go to the doctor and have experiences like that, looking at, at weight in the same kind of way you look at age, where like the older you get, you're more susceptible to get certain mm-hmm. health issues, but your age doesn't cause you to have something. Yeah. Your age doesn't mean that it's not like you have this because you're 85. It's yeah. like, oh, there's, yeah, you're more likely because you're older. And the same thing with weight. If somebody goes into a doctor and it's like, I have really bad pain in my calf, I don't know, mm-hmm. we'll lose weight. Same with like the toenail. Like maybe yeah. you would lose weight, it will go away. When like there could be a real actual medical mm-hmm. issue going on, but these people don't get the care they need because they're told that. Rather, somebody with a smaller body goes in and they're like, oh, well, let's run some tests. Mm-hmm. And maybe they, I don't know anything about medicine, but like maybe they find cancer in their calf. Mm-hmm. But the person who is in a larger body, they totally get ignored. Right. And it's like, yeah, weight might make something more likely, just like, or you're more susceptible, just like age is you're more susceptible, but mm-hmm. your weight doesn't cause that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, a, I mean, it's a huge problem, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of fear mongering with, I have a lot of clients who are like, well, I have to lose weight or else this is going to happen. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I always say like, what indicators do we have that says that this is going to happen? Um, and you know, we also have to consider extreme results typically are caused by extreme behaviors. And so, you know, um, when we look at the fitness world and we look at the guy that looks like, a, you know, Dick Sporting Goods, um, Under Armour mm-hmm. mannequin, it took extreme measures to achieve that body or, you know, a female's body that looks like, mm-hmm. you know, a fitness model. It took extreme measures to achieve that body. Um, and so I think really what I'm getting at is that we, instead of just looking at weight, we really need to peel back the behaviors. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's something that I always work with my clients who are living in the larger body of like, well, are, are we, are you binge eating? Is that, is that the behavior that we need to address? Um, and if we're not binge eating anymore, 
will the body start to normalize in size? Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not. Um, but you're saying like weight isn't the issue. It's, exactly. It's a symptom of the behavior. Exactly. Exactly. So, it, so, um, we got you a little bit off track. Yeah. But this lady, you were opened up to Hayes. Yeah, open up yeah. to Hayes. I was just um, curious about yeah. Hayes for a long yeah. time. Yeah, I bet yeah. a lot of people yeah. are, though, because it is actually yeah. confused a lot. It and is. Y'all are, I'm going to keep on the off track, but you're you're talking a lot more about the larger body with Hayes, but what's the impact on people, like, maybe that are in bodies that are on the smaller side? Yeah, um, you know, I think that, again, it's looking at behaviors. So if someone's BMI, if someone's BMI, we're like, BMI doesn't matter. But like, then we're like, well, BMI is under 19. Mm -hmm. We probably need to look at behaviors Mm -hmm. because most adult bodies are incapable of, of being that small without some type of maladaptive behavior. And also the other thing is, and I think a lot of people have these experiences, but it's not fair that they get to eat whatever they want and don't have to work out and Mm -hmm. they can look this way. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, they got to eat Chips Ahoy for breakfast (laughs) and had 20 Diet Cokes throughout the day Mm -hmm. and get to have, eat whatever they want. But at the same time, they're also malnourished. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think ultimately it's that we, you cannot make assumptions on what someone is or isn't doing or how healthy or unhealthy someone is based off of their size. Yeah. You need more information. So um, I think that ultimately is is one of the foundations of Hayes mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, just body size in general. Which has been, I think, yeah, for the smaller bodies. No, we can't just look at you and be like, you're fine yeah. because you're you're small. Right. Like there could also be stuff going, behaviors going on with you that we need to look at as well. Yeah. Well, and someone who's in what looks like a very normal Normal size body body could absolutely be, have be symptomatic of malnourishment. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember, okay, so how did I get out of all this stuff? So I, um, started working eating disorders, had a lot of huge learning experiences, you know, through that professionally, personally, um, Very, very long story short, I um, would say that life hit and I was not able, not physically able to maintain the exercise Mm -hmm. regimen and the nutrition regimen because um, I just, I just couldn't, you know, that was what really pulled me out of it. And then all of a sudden my body changed and this has actually just been within the last two years. Um, my body changed, it increased in size and, and I was like, okay, what's going on? I feel really out of control with this body. Like what's, what's happening. And now I look back and I think, wow, like when I stood up, I would get dizzy. And I thought that was normal because that had been happening since I started my fitness life. Um, the fact that you thought that was normal is crazy. Yeah. Not like I, you're crazy, but like what? Like, I think like some of the women in my family ex- would experience that too. And it would be like, oh, we're dehydrated or have a low, low blood pressure. Like a lot of people are like, oh, my blood pressure is so low. It's because I'm so healthy and fit. Yeah. My heart rate's so low. It's because I'm so healthy and fit. But it's because your body is not nourished. Yeah. Um, you know, and when you finally step out of it, you can start to look back and it's like, oh my God goodness like what in the world mm-hmm. I you know I would, I would buy a size small or extra small shirt and I would think where do the people who are actually small shop like mm-hmm. how do they where how do they get close that fit so now kind of pulling out of it looking back it's like well did I have any business being that small like did and so you can talk did about you not point think you were small no yeah like you yeah. you just don't see what's really there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at set point weight, there's this really, really funny video about set point weight. And it's basically, it's like whatever your body does when you're not restricting, you're not over exercising and you're not binging and you're not, you know, when you turn into this like normal, healthy, active person, whatever, whatever your body does is really none of your business. Mm -hmm. Your body is in control of that. And so you have to catch up with being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's days where it's easier and days where it's not. There's days where, you know, you you wake up and you're like, well, 
here's this new body again. Like, yeah. okay, we're going to, we're going to take it running and we're going to nourish it and we're going to do our jobs and we're going to, um, be strong and em- empowered and, you know, so, um, how does that impact? Like when we, earlier you mentioned, um, having a food freedom approach, but then you also mentioned having a movement freedom, um, philosophy. Yeah. So if you move more into talking about that, what does movement freedom mean? What does it look like? Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So it's, it's taking away the obsessive, um, idea that I have to exercise for this amount of time, or I have to exercise to cancel out something I ate, or I have to exercise because I'll get fat, you know, yeah. or, um, when, how, cause you've transitioned into mm-hmm. that and I know I have two and I want to hear you've transitioned to that and people that you work with aren't transitioning to that. Right. So what is that like for you and where do you find yourself bumping up against resistance? Yeah. Cause that is, that was maybe harder for me to transition to movement freedom than mm. it was for like to have freedom with food. Totally. Cause then I, if I, I got a freedom with food, but then I could always go to my movement to kind of like kind of cancel that out, you know? Totally. And so, and again, the health, the industry that we work in with fitness are so, they're going to co-sign onto that. Mm-hmm. Like work out to burn off that pizza, like blah, blah, blah whatever, yeah. which I really can't stand now, but right. I want to hear what it's, that transition was like for you. And then, Again, the feedback you get from the experience yeah. around you. So again, um, when I say when life hit, like I, I lost my mom unexpectedly and you know, the heaviness of that, I, I truly was incapable of exercising to the degree that I was like my, I was, it was all I could do just to do any exercise. <laughs> so, um, and now like looking back, I'm like, Oh my, like you didn't have to do that. Like you didn't have Mm -hmm. to work so hard that you felt like you're going to throw up or like you didn't have to, you know, run so fast that your stomach hurt. Like it, Mm -hmm. none of it mattered. I think so often now we have people training like they're Olympic athletes Mm -hmm. to the point where we have stretch facilities and cryotherapy and like things that Olympic athletes need. Right. (laughs) Not anyone who's just like a normal active person. So as this is like slowly happening, I'm starting to kind of see this, this difference, like you're describing. And, um, and I tell, what's the exact question? Like what, how did you transition, transition from like moving to kind of maintain Mm -hmm. your healthy image to moving to, for like joy and to take care of yourself yeah. And along with that, what was, was there some pain in the fact that the people around you weren't transitioning to that idea? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a lot of pain. I think that it's a combination of so many things. So you start to move toward this idea that, you know, movement can be joyful. Movement doesn't have to be imprisoning and it doesn't always, it doesn't have to be about changing your body or body hacking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, once you get to that place, you can start to really pay attention to, do I even like this form of exercise? Mm -hmm. You know, why did I choose this in the first place? Um, and did I choose this because I think that it, it might like lift my bum or because Mm -hmm. I actually enjoy it. So what is the environment? Do I even like it? And there have been plenty of methods of movement that I've tried out in the last two or three years where I'm like, i don't like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I don't do it. And wow, like it's incredibly empowering. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, seeing so many people coming in and out of this, you know, fitness studio who are there to change their body, change their, change their life. Right. But we know that if changing our bodies meant changing our lives, then liposuction would work every time. It would be a lobotomy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it gastric bypass would actually be brain surgery, not just changing bodies. And so, or transference of addiction, you know, like the research around gastric bypass and how like that addiction transfers to something else is really like astounding. Mm -hmm. Incredibly. And that goes not just I mean, I know you all are probably sure too, not just for people who have gastric bypass, but for people 
doing anything with food or body or moving from one addiction to the next. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, so then I'm starting to kind of like, like view the room, right. You start to kind of step back and it's like, Oh man, there's, there's people in here who have already been here today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's people leading these people who have already been here today. And I noticed they posted like earlier, earlier that they were at a different gym. And, you know, and so you start to see this really, di- these really disordered patterns. And then you start to see the defeat that people mm-hmm. are experiencing. So it's like, I've been coming here for a month and I haven't lost any weight. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, I, I didn't do as well as I wanted to on my run. And it's like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not trying to win like $10,000. Well, <laughs> right. But I think that one of the problems, cause the place where you were, were working and the places that I work have stats, which oh, yeah. is meant to be motivating. Yeah. And you know what? It is kind of cool when you can be in a place where it's like, I'm going to do this for me. But yeah. these stats are computers that are not, that like have their own dysfunction and mm-hmm. are imperfect in themselves. And and so I know for where where I was work, where I work, they can like, if you get on a different bike on a different day, you're going to probably get different stats. And so yeah. these people are like, I only got this many PowerPoints and I got like, I didn't get first place. I got third and it like ruins the yeah. whole experience yeah. where they're like even mad that they even worked out in the first place because mm-hmm. they didn't win or didn't get whatever that removes any opportunity for joy of movement. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but like, look what you did do, Yeah, but they can't see it. Yeah. And it's really hard to like, at, be so excited at the end of the class that you teach. And then all these people are pissed and upset because they didn't perform the way yeah. they wanted to. But I'm like, why do you even want to perform that? Like, why is that the goal? Mm-hmm. What is, how does that, if, if I could change the numbers on your screen and manipulate them. So you got first place. Would you feel differently about what you did? Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. And I think too, though, um, the fact that we, we have that microphone and that microphone is speaking to up to 37 people, 36 people. So we're in control of the messaging that we provide. And I, I noticed that as I was providing this really more uplifting and empowering message, people were coming to me individually with trust Mm -hmm. saying, it's so amazing what you're saying on this mic compared to, you know, other places that I've been or, um, you know, when you said this, it really helped me think. And so the platform for us, it can turn into something really positive. And then I noticed that started to trickle to some of the other coaches too. So, you know, you're always going to have some people who subscribe and some who don't. And, Um, most of the folks at, at the studio were really, really thankful that I'm was kind of shedding this alternate light on, mm-hmm. Hey, what if we didn't make this about body image? What if we didn't talk about lifting butts and getting swimsuit ready? And I ate seven donuts. So now mm-hmm. I need to cancel that out. And what if we, um, just made this a really positive and empowering environment, and it's worked really, really well. Um, because you're talking about the difference between like motivating people through fear and mm-hmm. motivating people through like love and acceptance. Yeah. It's like what what works better? We think yeah. the fear works better because we're not nobody's trying anything else. The research fear shows just, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> fear just makes people. I know even for me in my own like therapeutic journey of switching to, and I hear this all the time. I'm sure you all do too, of people like being afraid to be kind to themselves Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think a lot of us keep ourselves in line by like this drill surgeon that lives drill sergeant that lives inside. But like, really I'm like, no, the movement from like fear and shame actually over to like kindness and acceptance will give you more change than you could ever get. Like all you get with the fear mindset is you get better at, I mean, think about parents who Mm -hmm. parent with fear and shame. You just get, the kid gets better at hiding and like Mm -hmm. manipulating. Yeah. When I would wonder, this is kind of a question that that we can all answer. What was the fear that we had around, okay, I'm going to motivate myself in a different way. So if I'm going to move from this place of like, you have to work out because you ate this or because you need to get first place because if you don't, it doesn't count rather than loving yourself and being motivating through kindness and like, you need to do this 
because you deserve to move and and I want you to do this because you actually enjoy this kind of movement. Mm-hmm. I know I had a fear around that, but did you guys have fear of like what if I transition to this like not norm? Yeah. I thought I would go like into like this complete abyss of like laziness yeah. in my mm-hmm. whole life. Like I remember probably a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was at, I did CrossFit. I did all sorts of stuff. I like changed gyms like every three months, but I was doing CrossFit and I'd been doing it for like a long time and there's nothing wrong with doing CrossFit or not. It was yeah. just that I hated going. <laughs> and <laughs> so there's something wrong with that. And I remember I was in there and I was like getting ready to do my 100th, I don't know, back squat or clean and jerk or whatever we were doing. And I just thought to myself, like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, I hate this. I'm like <laughs> miserable here. And I just dropped the bar and I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to keep doing things that I don't like to do. And I think that like, but there was also this fear of, and then I transitioned into doing more yoga in order Mm -hmm. to like, also like be more in tune with myself. And I made this promise of like, I am going to move my body because I feel better when I move my body, but I'm not going to do it in ways that I feel like I'm punishing myself. Yeah. And there was also this fear of like, oh, if I go do more yoga, like what's going to happen, not only to my body, Mm -hmm. but like to the rest of my life and I really felt like I would just stay at my house and watch TV or something mm-hmm. which yeah just that is so calm people didn't like, happen if I'm, if I'm nice <laughs> with myself and if I accept my body for at its set point I'm gonna become 7,000 pounds yeah and I'm right. like yeah or I'm not gonna work out anymore and the I'm scale like will that never is stop not up. true no. like you'll actually just be happy yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy yeah but I remember like I've talked to so many and even this is for me, but I've talked to a lot of clients about this. If I start to think that I can work out in a sports bra no matter what I look like, then I'm going to let myself be like 1 million pounds. And then on top of that, other people are going to judge me for being 1 million pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, two things. One, you're not going to be a million pounds. No, your body just... Your body doesn't want to be a million pounds. No, we can just like go on to that. 1 million pounds. <laughs> it, it might be a size that you don't want to be right now, yeah. but you're going to care about that so much less. And that's what I'm like, just trust me. Because you're going to care about that so much less. And mm-hmm. the more you hide your body, the more you're going to push yourself away from feeling that. Because mm-hmm. I can go run a sports bra if it's hot, or I can take a cycling class in a sports bra if I want to, but only because I've allowed myself to accept my body and do that. If I've never let myself try that, I would still be co-signing onto this belief that my body doesn't deserve to be seen mm. at the weight that it is. Yeah. And without doing it, you don't know that it's possible. And so I just had to go through this pain of, okay, I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I am afraid somebody's going to judge me because I don't look like what I used to look like. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it anyway. And then I learn, oh, people might have been judging me. And I think I'm okay. Yeah. And you probably yeah. don't know unless right. you're at like the meanest of mean girl gyms yeah. and people <laughs> say something to you. Right. Does that happen? Well, uh, I mean, there's always, this is the thing. People judge people all the time. Yeah. And, and because the fitness industry is so, I would say like unhealthy, like I would mm-hmm. even say sick, that there are definitely going to be people in that gym saying, I can't believe she's wearing that. Mm-hmm. Or she looks like she's gained weight. Or did mm-hmm. you see so? That's just our culture. Gosh. Yeah. However, like I've had to come to a point for me, which I'm sure you have too, where I'm like, and if nobody starts to change this, it's never going to change. Exactly. Yeah. And I think too, you know, there will always be larger bodies in this world. There will always be um, smaller bodies in this world. There will always be fit bodies in this world. Like there will always be all different types of bodies. And, um, we don't have to change all of them. Mm -mm. Like someone living in a larger body doesn't mean that they now that like we have to take on the world and try to change their body. Yeah. Like it's this idea, the fitness world has this idea that like, we're going to take, you know, obesity by storm and change everyone's bodies. But the reality is, is that, you know, scientifically the definition of fitness is how, your body is able to take up oxygen and utilize it as you're exercising. So Mm -hmm. it's called VO2 max and it's very scientific. Um, yet we've taken this idea of fitness and, and provide or creating a look. So like they don't look fit or I'm not fit or I'm out of shape. And it's like, 
I had a client say, how am I so out of shape? I'm coming to class four days a week. And I said, you just ran a half marathon and you come in here and run and lift weights and squat and all these things. It was like, you are not out of shape. That is the industry telling us Mm -hmm. what in shape looks like. And that is probably one of the biggest things that gets me really fired up. Um, because if you go watch a marathon, you're going to see bodies of all shapes and sizes. And those people are in shape. They are fit. They just don't look like this, you know, extreme muscle mania, whatever. I think that there's a, people don't realize, well, I know this is for me, but I gained weight trained for my marathon. I gained me too. Weight. Me yeah. too. I did it so hungry. Lose. Yeah, because I was so hungry. <laughs> so hungry. And to be able to to be able to do those physical things, I had to feed myself. Yeah. So I had to gain weight. And it wasn't like I was gaining all this muscle. I was just running. So answering, you know, short, is there pressure as a fitness instructor to feel like you have to look in a, a certain way? Absolutely. Yeah. Um I posted and I posted in, you know, the the, this coaching page that I'm a part of, you know, as a fitness coach, what are some body image issues that you have felt? I have over 20 screenshots of responses Mm -hmm. from coaches who are a part of a huge fitness franchise, um, expressing their struggles with body image and how it affects their coaching and their Mm -hmm. self worth, like their worth of coaching and I was like overwhelmed by the response, you know, I, I shared with Catherine, I was like, oh my goodness, there are all of these people out here who have made this a huge part of their life, part of their, it's their living, their livelihood. And they walk out of the studio and are self-conscious about how they look. And it's, and it, it was just astounding. And I, and so for me, I know I walk out of that I walk into the studio and I have this huge group of people waiting to come in and, and have their workout. And most of them look me up and down mm-hmm. as soon as I walk out of the door and whether it's on purpose or not on purpose, it just is. And I know to expect that. And I can say like, Hey Kayla, you don't know what you're, what they're thinking. They mm-hmm. may be thinking, you look awesome. They may be thinking, wow, she looks like she gained four pounds since last week. Yeah. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because how you look is not what makes you a motivator. And it sounds like even what you're saying is like people that are teaching and coaching fitness classes that as a society, we look at them and say they must really love themselves because they have this great yeah. body. What I'm hearing you say is like even those people are saying like, nope. Yeah. 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 And what would happen if we change the change the idea of why we're going to the gym? Mm-hmm. Because our gyms are so think about all of the like challenges that are out there in all different kinds of gyms. It's based on like losing weight or toning this or building yeah. muscle here. And what if we change the way we looked at exercise and movement because I think a lot of that would shift. I would because in our head, I used to be this way. Mm-hmm. I want her to be my trainer because look at her body mm-hmm. when like, yeah, she might have a whatever body, but just cause she trains me doesn't mean I'm going to look like that yeah. because yeah. I have a, my body. PSA. Yeah. <laughs> you, PSA. You could work out and eat the exact same, same as the person next to you and still look completely different. Think so about Kat, how, if you started, yeah. and this might be for both of y'all. I'm what? interested. If you started a gym tomorrow oh God, and you know, if the tagline of most gyms are like, come here and lose weight, yours would be come to my gym and have some fun. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because like exercise movement is fun. Like I look forward, me and Kayla go, Kayla and I go run every Friday, except we missed last Friday because it's raining. Yeah. Can we, like, I would have more fun at your run club if it was at like 10 (laughs) a.m. We have to work. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, but like, I look forward to that because I'm like, we get to talk about our lives and like what's going on. And I actually like running and I took a break from running for a long time because it turned into a chore Mm -hmm. and I would get sick before I would have a race. I would get so anxious and sick. And it, I was like, why am I doing this? But now like I look forward to it. 
-hmm. Like I really do. And so I think people forget that like exercise doesn't have to be painful. Yeah. Right. Some of the exercises, like sometimes running up a hill, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. This is I mean, hard. there is. But it's not like emotionally like yeah. draining painful yeah there so, shouldn't be tears shed at the gym and again i have to we have to realize we are not professional athletes it's not our job to work out right no. so i shouldn't be li living my life around my exercise right and right. so if Catherine's gym is like come to cat's gym and have fun kayla <laughs> your gym is like come to kayla's gym and and um be strong, be empowered, work your heart. Like our heart is the most work important muscle in our bodies. And, um, and for me, whereas exercise used to be like, Oh, this is going to change the outward appearance of my body. Now it's, I'm always thinking physiologically about the really cool benefits that are going on. Like, Oh my goodness, my heart is getting so strong. My mm -hmm. blood pressure is staying down. I'm going to continue to be able to carry all of my groceries in at once because heaven forbid I'd make two <laughs> trips. And, yeah. um, you know, if I'm moving like Catherine just did and I'm yeah. carrying all these heavy boxes, I'm like, cool, I, I can do this because I'm maintaining, you know, my strength. So strength, power, endurance, um, those are the things and you wouldn't hear a single word about changing a body, um, in my, in my gym either. And I'll just say, you know, the studio that I work for, the owner is incredible and she has totally subscribed to this, this, the messaging that I, um, and she's so supportive of it. The other coaches are so supportive. And I think some of the, um, folks who maybe are not quite sure it's because they're kind of going through their mm -hmm. own struggles. Um, and so I, I always make it known too, that like, I, I'm more than happy to talk about those struggles and help them through that and provide support. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you can be the best motivator, the best coach, so empowering and not be in this like picture perfect, um, body. And, um, I heard somebody say once, like, is that place a good workout? Because I don't know. I go in and I see people in there and none of them really look that fit. And, you know, no, you don't know someone's journey. There was a coach that had posted in that thing that was like, I've was not exercising at all. I started exercising and my body has changed like to this degree. But if you look at me now, I don't look like the, you know, Under Armour mm -hmm. mannequin. Um but I can probably outrun or outrow anyone in mm -hmm. that place. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, continuing to pull apart this idea that fit, it has to do with fat and it really doesn't. doesn't. And even happiness, you yeah. know, yeah. Like, oh I remember, gosh. I mean, I hear this all the time, like, Oh, if I were thinner, if I were, if my body looked different then you know, people, more men would be attracted to me or yeah. whatever. But I think even attraction or just in general, like, there are people in really fit small bodies that are very, very unhappy. And there mm -hmm. are people that look that are smaller bodied that are very happy. And the same is true with people with average bodies and larger bodies. Like yeah. people are happy and people right. are unhappy at, at every size too. Yeah. And what is certain people being attracted to you? I think that's also a myth too. Mm -hmm. What is that going to give you? Because when I was at my smallest weight, I probably... Yeah, sure. But I would get more attention immediately based off the way I look. But I will tell you now, and I only can say this because I allowed myself to go through it, but I am much happier now. And yeah. I have, I'm in a bigger body than I was in. And at the same time, I'm more fit now than I was when I was over-exercising and not eating. I am way more fit now. Yeah. I don't think somebody would look at me and be like, oh, she just ran a marathon in this time. Mm -hmm. They would probably be like, she, I, I would assume, I'm assuming that somebody would look at me in a line of people and they wouldn't pick me out as the person who ran a marathon yeah. because of what we think. Yeah. But yeah. that's, we need to start changing. Yeah. And I think ultimately it just, it takes a lot of time and a lot of like soul searching and yeah. a lot of, um, therapy, right? Like here we are, we're talking about, we, we didn't, didn't ask you. I know, we I know. We'll you. do it at the end. Um, and, and so, you know, there are times that myself, like I'll look, I'll think back and I'll think like, was I happier then? 
Yeah. And I'm like, no, you were crying on a treadmill studying for anatomy. Like, yeah. you know, Sounds so miserable. I think yeah. when we talk about, sometimes we, we're really just talking about grieving, like, you know, it may be grieving this idea or this identity that we created that really had nothing to do with who we actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, but and this is like, we could have a whole nother podcast about diet culture and the superiority that um, people start put, putting on eating in a certain manner and exercising like, I'm better than you mm-hmm. because I do this and you don't. Um, or we idolize, we go into this place of idolizing like, oh, they they worked out, you know, three times today. That's so hardcore. And it's like, well, no, it's actually really not. Yeah. And, and of course, then I'm curious, like what else could you have done with that time? And like, what's scary about having downtime? And, you know, you can go into all of that mm-hmm. in therapy with, with people like you, lovely ladies. Yeah. And really think to yourself, like, I think a, somebody asked me this once, like when you die, do you want somebody to be like, basically like, Oh, well, at least she was really skinny, <laughs> skinny. Yeah. you know, because yeah. I would have to, you know, you're spending four hours a day at the gym. That's all you have time for. Mm -hmm. Kayla, if somebody is in this mindset of over-exercising and, um, relates to some things that you're talking about, even in your own journey, like what's the next step? What do they do? Um, you know, I, I think that they probably could benefit from being around, um, you know, people like us who can help start to talk them out of that, but getting a therapist who can help them sift through, you know, where their self-worth lies and really what, sometimes we say like, what is it if they're literally running and running and running? It's like, what are you running from? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and a treatment team can really help hold people accountable to say, okay, we still want you to be able to exercise for health benefits or tons of health benefits. Like, I don't want to get out of this podcast thinking like, we can't be fit and exercise. We should like, it's a huge part of what creates a strong body. Um, but that treatment team may need to say, okay, you, what if you committed to a 30 minute class that it has a start, it has a finish and we're doing this, this many days a week. And then if any emotional dysregulation comes up, you know, anxiety, fear, any of those things, then bring that to therapy and we'll talk through that. So, um, sometimes people just need some kind of like barrier to their exercise because if you are in the trenches of overexercise and you go to the gym, you may not be able to stop. I mean, you might be there an hour or two hours. You may not be able to stop. So usually like a fitness class, it has a start, it has a finish, Um, at the studio, we would, when we noticed people were starting to come one or two times a day, we would, you know, use motivational interviewing. Mm -hmm. I did some training. I'm trained in that to say like, you know, what would it look like if we turned you away coming to a second class? Um, and we would kind of create these boundaries in that way. So I think a really, if, if you're noticing a friend is doing that, a really great way to approach is, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm a little worried about you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I use all the time. It's not accusatory. It's not, you know, you guys can talk about this probably better than me, but um just saying I'm worried about you and here's why. So usually, and you, like you guys know, if, if, if you experience defensiveness or, mm-hmm automatic tears that tells you you're probably holding a mirror up to somebody mm-hmm. who's been trying to keep it down and um and that sometimes defensiveness you know that they've got something going on so loving them through it but yeah I think sometimes with over exercise like just creating a deal where it's like this has a start this has a finish and we're done now what else are we going to do with our time mm-hmm. yeah sounds like boundary work self-esteem or self-worth work and then also a lot of support from Mm -hmm. friends and other helpful people yeah yeah definitely and then uh we were just asked this in the beginning but we do want to know have you been to therapy ever in your life yes yes um i go once a week to see my therapist and um it 
I started le- the end of last year, and it's really that funny. That was your first time ever? Mm-hmm. Oh, heck yeah. And mm-hmm. it's it's funny because, of course, I've worked in mental health since 2011 at this point, and I could see the really hard work that clients were doing, and I was like, I knew all the things that were inside of me, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't ready to open that yeah. gate yet. Um, I was like... Yeah, you guys are brave. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm cool. Over here. <laughs> I'm doing okay over here. But yeah. the more I learned about how, you know, mental health and trauma can um, just play a role in how your body lives, is the the more I was like, okay, I really, really need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, it wasn't until losing my mom that 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 was like the tipping point where I said, okay, I, I know I have all of this like leading up to the loss of her, but, um, and I know that this is probably the point where I have, I'm going to have to release the valve Mm -hmm. because I feared that it would affect me long-term. I wanted, you know, I'm a perfectionist, right? So Mm -hmm. I wanted to like grieve well and grieve right Mm -hmm. and make sure I grieve exactly how I should grieve. Let me know how you do that. That looks like... So I can make sure I'm doing it right. So perfectionism like got me to therapy, I think. Um, and it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We love people that go to therapy. Yeah. (laughs) We also love people that don't, but yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate your humility and honesty in this, in saying like, I was around this for so long. It seemed like you knew it was an option. You knew it was available and really cheered other people on and going. But there was a point for you that you were like, okay, mm-hmm. I got to get in it. here and do this too. Yeah. Yeah. It's Thanks. Thanks. Well, thank you for coming. I yeah. feel like we could have sat here for a lot longer. I know. But, you know, everybody has to go work. So yeah. we're going to go keep doing that. But, yeah, yeah thank you so much. Yeah, well, thanks, thank you Kayla. for um, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. This is really important. And if anybody wants to join our run club, just let us know. But we can't have that many people join because we don't have a lot of space. Yeah, we'd have to be in a yeah. long line, like a like a parade. And like social distance. Yeah. So. Or you can join my 7pm one. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, actually doesn't exist. It ways. doesn't exist, but for people who like to um, wake up late and stay up late, the nocturnal run, the nocturnal walk fast club. <laughs> People um, could probably walk fast. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I I guess, too, like, you don't have to lose a parent to get to therapy. Yeah. I want to make sure that that's clear. Like, you, you need therapy. You, we all need therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If any of this stuff hit you today, call somebody. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the biggest. You don't have to have a huge life event yeah. to go. You can just, like, have a feeling and go. And mm-hmm. you can have a huge life event and go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of you need therapy we now have an instagram so please follow it at you need therapy podcast and yeah as always if you have any feedback let us know we love you and we'll see you in two weeks you wouldn't expect to hear that we're america's third best city for beer like this one or home to vibes like this and this it might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.